just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robson, good to have you listen. We hear this term, especially around Christmas time, Emmanuel, God with us. And we okay, Jesus came to earth, we get that. But then he said he was leaving, he was sending the Holy Spirit, and that that would be better. And of course, we, you know, we believe fundamentally that God is, you know, everywhere. He sees everything. But sometimes, if we're honest, doesn't feel like it. We wonder, where is he? We we pray, we, we don't hear an answer, or we're we're suffering and, and we feel like we, we just don't understand why. We're going to talk about some of those hard issues with one of my, I mean, I have a lot of favorite guests, I, I guess, because I, I don't want to think, but she's a wonderful guest, and that's Susie Larson. And she has so much great insight that uh, I know you will be blessed and encouraged today. She has a book out. It's called Closer Than Your Next Breath. It's available now if you want to pick it up. A uh, great resource for you. But uh, most of all, you know, she's just got an ability to, uh, I, I, in my opinion, I, I explain things of God in a way that really impacts, it has impacted my life. And so I'm thrilled to have her back. Susie, great to have you on Life Today Live. Great to be with you, Randy. I love it if you call me one of your favorites. I know you have lots of favorites, but I love to be in that camp. Thanks for well, having me. It's a true statement, but I don't want to make anyone else go, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know. I thought I was your favorite. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, say, I have to say one. I have to qualify that. But, uh, yes. No. Uh, you, you understand. Um, yes. Let's, let's, let's jump into this uh, because I know this is a big issue. I mean, every, everybody it sometimes, you know, feels like, you know, man, if Jesus was like, God, why'd you forsake me? You know, I have no chance, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what is your experience with this feeling of God, where are you? Hmm. Well, the presence of God is probably one of my favorite topics mm-hmm. because, um, you know, my backstory, you know, I raised in a large family uh, where Jesus wasn't preached. I knew God was real. I didn't know Jesus was accessible, but I will tell you, Randy, as a child, I knew God was real. I sensed his presence. And then I experienced some childhood trauma at the hands of teenage boys, two separate incidences that were pretty you know, impactful for me and fear got in there and all of that. And then I became a Christian in my young teen years. And then in my young married years, I was unknowingly bit by the deer tick and contracted Lyme disease, which as you well know, has been a a long journey. So there have been when, when I, so the first trauma that happened with these boys was a sexual assault. The second one at 10 years old, I was beat up real bad. I was jumped on the way home and beaten real bad. And when I got up from that beating, I heard in my ear, I can get to you anytime, anywhere. And God will never stop me. So as a little 10-year-old, I knew God was real and I knew the devil was real. And that really, I, that was almost too much information for me as a child. But I, that's when fear entered into my life and my heart. So when I became a Christian as a young teen, I knew I was saved, but I didn't know I was loved. And I would submit to you, Randy, that there are many seasoned Christians walking around the earth today who know they're saved, but don't know they're loved. And this is super foundational mm-hmm. to trusting his presence when you can't feel it. And so if you jump ahead to this Lyme disease battle, you know, I'll just say it this way. There's more than one way to wander. Some people wander into the ditch of self-indulgence. Others wander into the ditch of self-striving, trying to make their own way. They're saved by grace and they try to finish in the flesh. (laughs) But one way or another, you know, we wander. I think I would have become a striving Pharisee 
if not for the battles I face. I'm not saying God gave me limes, but I, I would say God allowed it and has not wasted it on me. And you hear the old analogy. I don't know if you've ever heard this little metaphor of a little sheep who keeps is prone to wander. She just keeps wandering away. And uh, she finds herself in a thicket. She breaks her leg uh, because she's twisting, trying to get out. The shepherd comes to get her. He wraps her around his neck and carries her especially close while her leg heals. Something happens in that transaction. As she's so near to him, her heart starts to beat in rhythm with his. And suddenly, where she was once prone to wander, now she's developed this really profound attachment to her shepherd. So once she's healed, she's kind of staying right on his heels. And that happened for me, that the battle was so fierce in my young formative years as a believer that I I had to I had to hear from him. I had to know him. I had to hear his word. I had like an intolerance of being away from him in any way. So as far as it concerned me, I was on the chase. I was hanging on for dear life. And there were times, and I write about him in this book, where God opened the heavens basically and intersected my story in a way that was so revelatory. I just knew even more so that he is who he says he is. But it was the times in between that I would panic. Like, oh, did you change your mind or did you lose my address or did you forget what you said to me before? And so the whole purpose of this book really on one hand is to cultivate. I want it to be a healing balm where that you you get so much more assured than you've ever been that you're tethered to a good God who loves you. And when he breaks through and you encounter him, as you see many examples in scripture, when God, when the manifest presence of God breaks through, there's the omnipresence, you know, that's where he's here, there and everywhere. Mm. And some people stop there and to the point where they'll say it's ungodly or unbiblical to ask for more. And I, I would just beg to differ because there's clear evidence in scripture of the manifest presence where he breaks through, makes himself known in your story. And I've noticed in scripture, I've noticed in my life and the many people I've interviewed, when that happens, you have a decision to make. You know, are you going to plug your ears and make some noise? Or are you going to go cover your mouth and listen with your ears and say, mm. you know, have your way, Lord, in me? Because so often he's confronting issues of lordship or identity or purpose or an upgrade in faith that you need for where he's taking you. It, it's usually a very, always a very important encounter. So I want to, I want to encourage you to steward those times well. But I also want to encourage people in the times in between just what to do in those times so that you can actually grow your faith and even grow in your assurance that God is who he says he is in those times in between. It really does matter what you tell yourself about those times and the decisions you make in those times. But my hope is by the time someone's done with the book, they're more in love with Jesus than they've ever been and more assured that his presence is your good, even when you can't feel him. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned um, sort of the theological differences. We all read the same Bible, but yet you've got those who say, you know, if it's not written in the Bible, uh, then it's not God talking. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got, you know, you've got the the God's talking to me all the time, and you kind of go, are you are you sure about that? Exactly. You know, Good right? point. Good point. Yes. <laughs> How yes. do you, where, where, is, where is the right place to land in there when you start talking about, like, hearing from God? Hmm. Boy, that's a great question. I, too, am cautious and curious if I hear someone who professes to have the corner on the voice of God all the time and speaks on behalf of him to everybody else. Yeah. That I've always, my flag is up a little bit. But for me, first of all, you've got to be a person of the word so you know what his voice sounds like, because obviously anything he speaks to you will never contradict his word. But for me, some of the indicators are that surprises me. It's something I'm not smart enough to come up with. Most of the time when he's intersecting my life, it's a confrontation, not condemnation, but he's confronting 
uh, insecurity, fear, inferiority. He's lifting my chin and calling me to something that's higher than, than I am. And so for me, that is usually, it's a surprise. There's some conviction, there's an invitation, and it totally corresponds with scripture. And then he will confirm it. I'll find it in the word, you know, it'll leap off the page. And so I do profess, uh, I, I would say, I, I should say, what's the word I'm looking for, but I I go forward quite carefully. Like I'm an intercessor by nature. I'm, I'm an introvert. At na- I could be a monk. I love solitude. I spend a lot of time alone with the <laughs> Lord. So because I pray for a lot of people, for a lot of things, I am texting people out, sending audio texts of, you know, I was praying for you this morning. And I always preface it with, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. Yeah. This is my sense that I'm getting from God, but I, I trust that you'll test it with scripture and, and see if it resonates with you. Otherwise, toss it out or save it for another day mm-hmm. because I fear God. And I know I see in part as in the glass dimly, but I also know like Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me and I will tell you great and mighty things that you do not know about the days to come. Mm-hmm. How about he confides in those who fear him? How about when Jesus said to the disciples, I have so many more things I want to tell you, you're not ready for them yet. So I feel like it's almost, I might step on some toes here. I think it's almost lazy to say he's omnipresent and it is what it is. I feel like that's the same as having, bringing your, your son all the way to the ocean. Like, let's say he lives in Iowa. You bring him to the coast. He's in the hotel room. You go get a Dixie cup of the ocean. You bring it back to the room saying, this is good. It's you, here it is. It's the ocean. It's in the cup. And he's like, I want more of the ocean. <laughs> and I would say you can have as much of God as you want. I don't know what famous dead guy said that, but one did. And I agree with it. It's like he, he is omnipresent, but our capacity for him I would say changes as we learn to trust him more than we trust ourselves. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just complete you know, as close as complete transparency as I'll probably get on the air. Uh, it, it, when, when it, so, you know, my dad, um, he is, he is one of those, um, I mean, I don't know. I want to say this in the right. I, I, I don't want to say it disrespectfully. I'm just, he is, like always hearing from God, like, Hey, I woke up this morning. God was saying this and I'm, I grew up, you know, I'm like, God, I'm listening, but I'm not hearing this, you know, non audible, but louder than audible kind of right voice. Uh, and, and honestly it led to a lot of like, is it just me? You know, uh, do, can I, am I not able to hear God, you know? And so and you read the word and you I completely trust in that, even though I don't always understand passages at times, you know, it's like, and it, it really was a, a, honestly a struggle in a lot of ways. Um, but I have also have those moments and, and they are very few. I'm going to count them on one hand where I heard something resonate in me uh, that I was not from my brain because that's where my confusion comes in it's like god is that you or is that just my brain even like am i just recalling scripture which is great i mean yeah, and that's the holy spirit yeah he well, brings things to brings remember things to scripture us. says that yeah it's exactly right so i mean yeah. I'm, I'm totally cool with that and and to be honest with you you know um what is it jesus said bless those who haven't seen and still believe i'm okay being in that camp right like i haven't had this you know Oh, God's speaking to me, you know, and I still believe uh, I, that that's where I'm settled is like, if all I have is scripture and never a big feeling or an, a loud, inaudible voice, if that makes sense, I'm okay with that. I'm still going to trust. I'm still going to believe. So I resolved in that position, but it can be confusing. 
I was just going to say, that's huge faith, Randy. That's huge faith. And, you know, when I did the Audible book, Thomas Nelson gave me liberty to break out in prayer. or to, I mean, so I still read the, the text, but I also, you don't want to pause here and pray and that kind of thing. And then I did a couple of bonus uh, interviews, and one was with Brant Hansen, and he's a radio host and oh, an author, best-selling yeah. author, yeah, and great. a media friend yeah. uh, whom I love dearly. Yeah. And he is on the spectrum, as he would say. And he so he doesn't emote. He doesn't feel emotions. It was the most raw interview because he's never felt that. He's never felt that. Mm -hmm. So he's gone based on what God's word said, and he's camping. on. And he, he moved me to tears. I almost couldn't get through the interview. And I, I could just, I could sense God's affection for him because mm -hmm. how much harder it is when you don't get the feelies, you know. But I will tell you, you can make an idol out of that. And that's where I see excess, and mm -hmm. that's super concerning mm -hmm. to me. But, Randy, I've been in the green room with you. And I've seen God speak through you, but you're just not even aware of it because you are camping in his presence. You are camping on his word. And and I want to be clear, too, the book isn't even about him speaking to us. I mean, I, I talk about that, but it's what good is his presence, even if you can't feel him? And you are a perfect example of my point that I'm trying to make, that if you could peel the sky back over your life right now, you would see a father singing over you smiling over you, rejoicing over you. He has so many thoughts towards you that can't be numbered. I mean, outnumbering the grain of sands and every thought is holy. There's not one where he huffs and rolls his eyes and just wonders why you can't get it together. He's wired you a certain way to hear from God. Every thought he has towards you is holy. And then you think about that. At that same moment, he's pointing to guardian warring angels and, and commissioning them based on prayers that you've prayed. Like there's activity going on in the heavenly realm on your behalf. And so the hope and the prayers that you understand his presence is your good, even when you can't feel him. And I would say most normal people, quote unquote, go through a lot of life not feeling him, not hearing him. And, and I will tell you, as someone who's battled with health for so long, and I'm a, I was a fitness professional. I was in the industry for 12 years before, during, and after this illness. So I have a capacity for health and the human body, physiology. I often make parallels between our physical and spiritual health because I, I love this stuff. And so to be someone who has struggled so much has been really, really difficult. And I can't tell you the times where I pray about all these other things. I see answers. I discern what God is saying. But in the thing that means the most to me, it's crickets. I'm like, should I take this supplement or shouldn't I? Should I go see this doctor? Nothing. And it's like, Hello. And that's when I say that's when we settle in to trusting in his love. And I don't remember if you and I talked about this one of the last times I was on with you, but I feel like I'm supposed to say it if it's not for you, for someone listening today. But in those times when we want to strive with God or we get restless because we compare our story to someone else's like, gee, I wish I heard from God like them or I wish I saw the activity that they do. Psalm 4610 is we often see this this passage in beautiful songs or in beautiful paintings be still and know that i am god i will be exalted among the nations i'll be exalted on the earth but it's really a thundering voice in the chaos of the storm if you read the whole chapter it the, the world is in chaos and over the storm his voice thunders to you be still or cease striving and know that i'm god and that means these things it means to let go sink down relax, and in some cases, be quiet. And then the word no is to experientially encounter God. So in those places where you feel like you catch yourself kind of striving because you want your life to look like theirs or that you're, you want to hear from God the way they do or whatever, whatever kind of soul restlessness you get into, to let go and trust that his love is enough, sink down into his love, 
And if you're hyper-responsible, relaxing seems irresponsible. But in the places where you're tempted to strive, to relax in his love, to go, everything depends on his grace. Yes, my choices matter, but it's his grace that propels the purposes for my life forward. So I'm going to rest in his love because it takes more faith for me to rest here than it does for me to strive in my own strength. And in that place, you will encounter God in a way that fits who you are. He knows how to speak to you mm. in a way that you hear when you need to hear. And I think when we're in those times in between, I think it's good just to live up to what we already know. And, and But the big thing, though, Randy, is to not lose sight of his love, because I think we can shift and drift to a mindset that we're have-nots. And I would say just because you're in a not yet doesn't make you a have-not. We are as tethered to God, every one of his children. We are profoundly tethered to a God who has great, great affection for us. We are deeply, deeply loved. So how, what we tell ourselves, the narrative we frame in those times in between is really important. Yeah, it is. And I appreciate the encouragement. That is very kind of you. Um, in those, you know, places where I know, again, you know, you know, you know, God's there, you know, he goes, you understand the omnipresence, but life just gets, you know, mundane at times. And I don't know who said this, another dead guy, I'm sure. But someone said, God is in the mundane. Hmm. And for me, that's like, okay, then not only does that say be faithful in the little, right, in the little things and the, pay attention to the everyday things, but it, it says no, even when life seems just kind of humdrum, God's there with us. Uh, and so I don't have to, I don't, I don't chase, as you talk about, I don't chase the sensational Um because you're amongst the supernatural, because, <laughs> even right. in the mundane. Yeah, yes. right, right. Yes, so, yes, what, what's, yes. what's, what are your, what are you saying when you talk about that? Because it was a yeah. great statement, but I'd like you to unpack mm -hmm. it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it said, you know, sometimes we chase the sensational and miss the supernatural. And I'm not faulting the people who are trying to do that. I honestly think maybe they encountered God in a sensational way. There's, you know, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, like the psalmist says, than a big deal anywhere else. You know, one day in his courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. So when you encounter God, you want to recreate that. I mean, because we're mm. made for his presence. We're made to encounter him. And those are tastes and glimpses of glory that one day will forever be with him. So I understand it. Let's say you encountered him in a sensational way. Mm -hmm. Some Christians never really mature past going from event to event to event to event, trying to recreate and re-experience that. And again, I'm not faulting them. I'm just saying you're missing them because he's in the nooks and crannies of life. And But I would also caution to say we can't lose our sense of expectancy because, you know, I was thinking of I've been p thinking a lot about the Israelites and just because I feel like we're sort of an exiled people right now in a way. And I want to learn from their mistakes. And if you look at uh, Psalm 106, 7, the amplified version, I challenge you to peek at it once the show is over. Um, and it talks about the three mistakes they made. One was they didn't remember or appreciate the significance of of God's miracles. So if you think of all that God did to emancipate them, to set them free, they were front row seat, firsthand participators in the miracles of, of God. And they didn't even think to remember or appreciate how significant those were in the yeah. big story history. They didn't. Yeah. And the second thing they didn't, they ceased, they stopped marveling at the abundance of mercies of God. So they were never in awe 
of all of the mercies. And when I think, Randy, of the mercies of God, I mean, that they come to our door every morning before we've had a chance to blow it. That in itself should prove to us that he's intent on getting us safely home. He sent mercies to our, our morning before we ever blew it because he's, and we'll have more mercies than we can ever use up because he's intent to get us safely home. We should be perpetually in awe of his mercies. Scripture says he doesn't punish us as our sins deserve. I mean, think about all the goofy things you said that didn't come back to bite you. Now, you know, we do suffer consequences of, of consistent choices, but his, when he doesn't punish us as our sins deserve. He loves us. His love covers a multitude of sins. That mercy should keep us in perpetual awe. So they didn't remember and appreciate his miracles. They didn't marvel at his abundance of mercies, and they didn't imprint his loving kindness on their hearts. And I've been really sitting with this a lot. And this book and the, the Devo that comes after this are all about imprinting his loving kindness on, on your heart. Because when you're in the mundane, in the in-between, that is when you drift in your idea, your narrative about God and yourself. So I would challenge if you happen to be in a dry spell, I would say go through that list of three. Because if you're in between miracles, it might be really good for you to reach back to your history to the last miracle, mm. the, the last amazing breakthrough, or back in biblical history, grab one of those, bring them to the forefront of your mind and tell yourself, he's the same God. This is my miracle. This is good enough for me as I wait for my breakthrough. I'm in awe of God because this is the God that I serve. And then ponder and sit with the idea of, God, I want to thank you for not only all you've provided, but all you've prevented. Mm. That's your mercy, oh God, yeah. and be in awe of that. And then spend some time imprinting his loving kindness at the very moment when the lie is trying to get into your heart, trying to build a case against God and against you. In those moments, imprint his loving kindness going, no, I, I know him. You got the wrong guy. I know this father, this, I know him. He loves me. His promises are true. He will always make a way for me. I would submit to you that if you're in a dry spell, and you kind of activate on those three points, you might actually experience a bit of an awakening in your faith. Yeah. Boy, that's good. That's good. Okay. I want to show people your website real quick. This is SusieLarson.com. You Correct. can follow up with her, SusieLarson.com. webpage looks like that. And again, we're talking sort of around this book, Closer Than Your Next Breath, but really we're just scratching the surface. So if you want to be blessed, you're going to pick that up and just dive in, and, and you'll walk with Susie through a lot of what she's been through and the observations she's made and some of the, just the remembrances, the Ebenezer stones, as the scripture refers to them, uh, of God's work in, in her life and the way he wants to work in our lives. Um, how long have you been married? 38 years. 38 years. Oh, you got mm -hmm. me beat by a few. You must have You must have been uh, very, very young when you got married. We were 12. That. No. We were 12. <laughs> that works. So, right, I mean, yeah. so you, you you understand, though, you know, um, you know, my wife and I, You in, in, if you're young, you'll you'll sometimes see like old people at restaurants or something where they, they don't seem to be talking a whole lot. And that really is, I mean, not always, but it can be a sign of, of a mature relationship where just being together is enough. You know, uh, and I think that's a little bit of what you're talking about when you, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, get a word every day or whatever. You know, I mean, the word's there every day. I have to get that word every day. But there's just a comfort in the knowing the relationship. Yeah. Uh, and that's a lot of what I hear you talking about. And if you're in doubt of it, I mean, that's where I think you crack open the word and get that assurance, that blessed assurance. Right. You know, but you do do get to a mature point, hopefully, 
uh, as you move beyond the milk uh, and into the meat. Um, and you know that this is just true, and, and you just rest there. Um, but I have a question for you, and, and you talk about this in the book again, Susie. We know that scripture where it says, Jesus says, I, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And there's the if, you know, if any man opens the door and lets me in. How much of this is incumbent on us? Hmm. Well, somebody, one of my guests said about 10 years ago, the kingdom of God is not something we achieve. It's something we receive, which I love so much. If any man opens the door and invites me in, I will sup with him and he with me. That's that salvation invitation, right? But what, and when I write about that in the book, I say sometimes we take that to mean he just passively waits to intervene in our story. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like he, he did everything he could. He took, you know, he gate went all the way. But that doesn't, you know, like Dr. Warren Wiersbe said, he, you know, God loved us so much he sent his son, but love doesn't save us. Grace saves us. We're saved by grace through faith. So it's we have to receive that gift. We have to get to a place where we say, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Jesus, I acknowledge you are the Lord, that you lived and died. I believe with all my heart that you died for my sins and I confess you. That's kind of a quick way to run through the salvation prayer. But what I want to say about that too, though, is when you picture him passively waiting at the door for the rest of your story, that's a wrong picture. There's not a passive bone in his body. He'll cross hell and high water to get to you, to get you out of the thickets. He'll leave the hunt, the 99 for the one. And he's goodness and mercy chase after you. That's how that translates translates in Psalm 23 runs after you. And I remember what, you know, I had a pretty massive health relapse about eight years ago and working my way through that. I've come a long way, but it was devastating, devastating to me. It was harder actually than the first round. And uh, I had a friend who could tell that I was starting to brace for impact. And I really thought that was sort of a natural response to an unpredictable disease when in fact it was a mistrust of God. So I was still reading the word, still worshiping him, still serving him every day, doing my daily radio show, loving him. But deep inside, I was hurt by him. And it wasn't until my friend confronted me and she said, Susie, she said, when you think about Jesus, she said, if you have any other thought other than only goodness or mercy follow after me, if you think anything else than that, when you think about God, when you think about Jesus, she said, it means that something in you needs healing and there's something in your thinking that is off. And Randy, I, you know, I know we're getting ready to wrap here, but I, I felt like I needed to share that because I think a lot of the world is bracing for impact. Mm-hmm. I think the enemy has had a heyday with fear, uncertainty. The ground is shaking beneath us. But you know what? There's some things that aren't shaking. God's love, his word his purposes, his intentions for you. And when things are shaking and you find yourself waiting for the next shoe to drop, that's where the enemy wants you to be because you can't simultaneously receive from God and be bracing for impact. And so my prayer is that you can move into a place where you enjoy God as much as he enjoys you. And when he's being silent, He's sitting at the restaurant with you. Picture the old couple. He's with you. He's smiling over you. He's comfortable with you. If you can get so comfortable in your relationship with him where you're so assured of his love that nobody can gossip enough about you to him to make him change his mind about you, and you start to enjoy him as much as he enjoys you, and you go, I know he will talk to me if I need to hear something. But right now, I'm living up to what I already know. I'm counting on his love. I'm going to enjoy his presence and trust that he enjoys mine. I'm telling you, it will solve so many things. And I really, if the church can move out of bracing for impact into that place of holy expectancy, I think we're going to start to see some miracles happen. I know it's maybe a long answer, but how do you get there? 
I would say, I, I would go back to the three points that I made out of Psalm 106, seven amplified it's you're not going to find it in the uh, but you'll find it amplified because it breaks it down that way i think those are such good indicators because that's where the israelites lost their way yeah. you know there are daily miracles i mean the fact that you have breath in your lungs mm. is a miracle when babies are born it's a miracle mm. be in awe of that be in awe of his mercies you know practicing gratitude the next book that comes after this it's a devo a devotional 40 days of waking up to the goodness of god mm. and it's to retrain your brain and heart to move from bracing for impact to expecting and counting on God's goodness. And gratitude is a huge, huge piece of that, that if you could look at every gift in your life with a gift tag that says, to Randy from God, every good thing. Like someone once asked, if tomorrow you woke up with only the stuff you thank God for today, what would you have? You know, think about that. If you woke up tomorrow with only the stuff you thank God for today, what would you have? So if you start now going for my family, for the roof over my head and see a gift tag, a personal gift tag to you from God, suddenly you'll feel as rich as you are. And those kinds of things I feel like awaken us on the opposite entitlement in gratitude, make us spiritually blind and spiritually yeah. deaf. That's so, so true. That's so yeah. true. Okay. Wow. Okay. I just, I, I'm watching the clock and I'm going, oh, we, I could talk about this all day. But I know that we both have things to do and stand. So does our audience. So I will guys, let you guys go. But I will point back again to Susie's book, Closer Than Your Next Breath, because it really is a great uh, exercise and reminder of who God is and who he is for all of us in all of our lives. So, Susie, thank you for being with us. Appreciate you. I always love our time. Bless you, Randy. Thank you for watching. And uh, if you haven't liked, followed, or subscribed, uh, hit that, those buttons and, and hit the share if you want someone else to be encouraged. And check out SusieLarson.com. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.